Hey, my name is Matt Poole, and this is Unapologetically Catholic, the podcast where we dive into the different doctrines, dogmas, and beliefs of the Catholic faith to help explain why I personally am unapologetically Catholic and why I think you should be too. And this week's episode is a little bit different from how they normally are because we don't really go into very much apologetics, maybe a little bit. But anyways, I feel like I'm starting to say that a lot lately, so maybe I should change things up. But anyways, uh, it was a good episode because I was able to record a podcast with my really good friend slash mentor, Chad. And Chad, I've mentioned in podcast episodes before, I think by name, and if not by name, he is the person who converted to Catholicism that kind of put the stone in my shoe to begin with. So... This is an episode where we talk about how Chad converted, how Chad and I met, how our conversion stories kind of intermingle, and how our conversions are similar and different, and the things that were important to each of us. Uh, So it's a really neat episode. Uh, Chad lives out here in Texas. I live in Georgia, so I came out to Texas for a work meeting and was able to spend the weekend with him, and we recorded a podcast. So... I hope you enjoyed this week's this week's episode, and if you do, if you could leave a comment that you like this podcast and a review, that would be helpful so that more people can see it, and uh, make sure you su- subscribe if you have not already. If you've already done those things, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, so anyways, that's about it. With that, let's get right into it. I think it's worth talking about like like, like the history because you know when you look both of us came from the same like I was a teacher yep. in the youth group mm-hmm. and you and I I don't because whenever I first came in it wasn't long before we kind of hit it off yeah I don't really know why either because you're loud and in your face and I was very quiet and shy and- I think that's probably why though <laughs> right I mean honestly because yeah. there was something that you were like oh okay this guy you know, back then I was, you know, it, it was just, a, it was a different dynamic. You were the, you were the cool guy. Who I was the played, cool guy, man. Played guitar. Played guitar, dude. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't come from, uh, from that church. Right. I was yes. this outsider who popped in, not from Georgia, you know, this whole, and then, and then I'm this, you know, this braggadocious kind of guy, I guess <laughs> that, uh, but no, but you, we started playing the music and then I, when Rick had me lead the music, I had. You come in because you were originally, weren't you wanting to play the drums? Yes, that yeah, it was between me and Brian, and I remember you got your feelings hurt. I did. <laughs> yeah, I knew you did. <laughs> there was a uh, we had a competition. You had me and Brian both come in, and you yeah. were like, Brian, you come in at five. Matt, you come in at five thirty. <laughs> yeah. And after you were like, we're gonna play drums. And we're we're just gonna jam. We're, we're just gonna jam, gonna, man. We're just gonna roll roll yeah. with it. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. I got this. And then. I think it was that afternoon. I probably even before I left, you were like, "Yeah, man, I think Brian's gonna have to play drums for the youth band." That's... <laughs> but yeah, I want you to play guitar because I knew you played guitar and you actually played guitar pretty well for what we were doing. Because I said I'm gonna need someone to play guitar. Yeah. So if I'm, you know, if I rip off a face melting solo, bro, I gotta have someone <laughs> holding it down. But it did work. I know. So that was kind of the, the the genesis of the relationship. And then it it seemed like it didn't take long before people. We had this stigma back then of like, oh, well, Chad's doing that. Oh yeah. So, oh, Chad likes John Mark McMillan's music, so therefore Matt does. Yes. 
right? And that became this stigma that was there. Yes, with everything. Because then it was like, I can remember it was like, oh, Chad listens to rock music. So now Matt listens to rock music and thinks okay, or thinks it's okay, or like... Yeah, even though the rock music you were listening to was not the rock music I was listening right. to. Right. So that instantly <laughs> defeated their silly argument, because you were listening to totally different stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no, it was... And Well, and I grew up, too, like, listening to... My dad always had the um, radio on, like, classic rock. Yeah. Anytime we were in the car, that's what we were listening to. But I wasn't really... A, I, I don't know that I was a fan of it. You introduced me to people like Radiohead, and I was like, whoa, Radiohead's yeah, yeah. really cool. But st- even Radiohead's, like, not... No. There's nothing... <laughs> but I think so that have being the relationship and then I and then I'm, I move right in 2013 I move back to Texas but you and I stayed in touch but even before that not only well I think another important thing is like we really clicked on not only just like music stuff but like apologetic that's right type stuff too so yeah so even in the yeah because I was really getting into uh, Greg Kokel, Stand to Reason, yeah. William Lane Craig, which I still think that that stuff, it, it's funny because I think a lot of that is what opened the door to mm-hmm. becoming Catholic. Mm-hmm. Because unlike some of our, uh, and Rick was definitely on board with that as well. It just worked perfect with the youth group mm-hmm. because it was all about knowing why you believe what you believe. Yeah. What's and, the Bible verse? Always have a be prepared to give a defense. Yes, First Peter. First Peter. Yeah, always yeah. be prepared to give a defense to those who ask of you. Right. And so, and that, and that was that's like the apologist verse. Yep. Which it just it, it really resonated with me, and so uh, I always had this approach of I wanted to steal man, my opponents, and and people that I don't. Even, I want to steal man every position. And not straw man it. I don't want to attack mm-hmm. something. And we saw a lot of that around us. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of straw man attacks. And I think that you probably saw that. Like the, the topic of alcohol. Yeah, right, yes. Was a perfect example. Yes. And yes. you see these people that are attacking the position on alcohol. Even though you're like, at the time, probably not even thinking, I don't know if I want to drink or not. It's, it was irrelevant. It was the fact that they were such vapid and empty arguments that yeah. they were using for me taking y'all to a uh, a Christian concert that happened to be serving alcohol. Right. And it was like, well, well th- this is silly. And so, but that, that apologetics world of knowing why we believe what we believe, it opened, it, it opened the door to think I might be wrong about very important things that I held dear. And then as you're studying it, you're like, oh, I was wrong. Yeah. Maybe that's not the case. And so... Then, I, yeah, so, so we had already had that kind of foundation built into not just our relationship, but the ethos of that youth group. Yeah, well, yeah, I can, I mean, I can remember, even me as a kid, before you started coming to the church, like, I can remember asking questions to my mom at, like, 10 that my parents were like, oh, jeez, I don't know, like, why are you asking me, like... Deep like, philosophical questions yeah, that the, a 10-year-old shouldn't be asking. Related more to Christianity. So mm-hmm. it was like, when you die, are you still going to need faith? Because, like, fa- because like when you're in heaven, do you still need faith? Or, like, do you still have the Holy Spirit in the right. same way when you're in heaven? And it's like, I, my parents were like, I don't... You're 10, why are you asking... <laughs> I don't understand why you're asking me this. Right. Um, so there's a lot of that. 
So yeah, so so with that being the ethos that we were in, it it, it then opened the door because because then I when I moved, so I move and I'm still a Bible Church Baptist, and then you ended up kind of rolling toward Presbyterianism. Yes, because so you. You moved to Texas. I'm trying to think of the timing of everything. You it's 13 when I moved. 2013. Okay. Um, so that was the year I graduated high school. Right. And then I went to college in the fall, that fall. And when I went to college, uh, it was a, a small Christian college up in northeast Georgia. Um, and in northeast Georgia, the, well, I mean, you know, it's like, there were the two extremes. It was either like, you've got to have a suit and a tie, and if there's hair on your ears, there's sin in your heart. <laughs> or <laughs> yeah. it was either that, or it was like, hey, we got this brand new approach. we got to make Christianity cool, so we're going to have smoke machines. Yeah. Everybody, you just come in your flip-flops and your bathing suit. Right, and we're going right. to have foam parties for church. Yeah. And so then there was a prof- there was a professor who I was talking to and I was very like reformed, very Calvinist and this professor was very Calvinist and he was like, "Hey, I know you grew up Baptist, but uh if you could just put the baptizing babies to the side for a minute. Yeah. There's a Presbyterian church in town that's really really solid and really good." And I went and the first time I went, it w- it was it was like, "Wow, we're singing like uh not like poppy songs, but not like clunky, just like old, I, I don't know, just suit and tie only and straight stiff board, don't move. It was like very like all of the lyrics had very deep theological meaning Sovereign to them. Grace, wasn't that the, the people that yes. were, yeah, the Sovereign Grace stuff. Yeah, know. like there's good, deep, rich the, theological stuff in this song. And it's put to like actually pretty good music too. Pretty good too. music, yeah. Yeah, um, good melodies. Yes, so the, we went to that Presbyterian church, and as I, I only went to school one semester, so I was only there for three months. But yeah. <laughs> it was enough that when I went, I started like looking at what Presbyterians believed. I would talk to the pastor of the church up there, and then when I came back home and went back to the Baptist church, I was like, I just don't like. I think you should be baptizing babies. Right. Yeah. You um, couldn't. You couldn't unring the bell once you. Yeah. It was like I like when I went to the because well, uh, uh, Presbyterians are really big into like covenant theology, and and so. Oh yeah. Uh, I I started looking into that and I was like, yeah, I've never really heard this before, and I don't know if I'm a Jew. Uh, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm in, man. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. Like I was baptized like. I, I am a part of the covenant, and that is why you baptize. But the Presbyterians are kind of weird because, like, you're in, but you're not quite in yeah. yet, but you kind of are. So, anyways, when I came back home and moved back home, I started going to the Baptist church. But I knew, I was like, I can't, like, I really think I need to go to a Presbyterian church. Yes. Well, and that's the, the point is that you're at the, you're at the stage where I feel like I'm lying yes. by coming to somewhere that I don't agree with them right. and that's like so what happened with me so once i moved in 13 so you got married in 16 15 15 yep november right yep so november of 15 so it was earlier uh in 14 actually whenever i had uh i was standing right there mm-hmm. the, I have my all my books right all my apologetics books that we had gone through, you know, William Lane Craig, 
Greg Kokel, uh, all these, Paul Copan, all these guys that uh, were, you know, deep philosophical thinkers, huge in apologetics world. And I had this guy come by for Christian's birthday party. And so Christian was born on September 8th, mm-hmm. and which is also the birthday of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Didn't know that at the time. And so uh, my buddy Tim, I just met him actually. He wasn't my buddy at the time. He was. His son and my son were friends, and they were over for the birthday party. And so he he sees all my books, and he's standing there looking at all these uh, apologetics books. And he says, "Well, yeah, I have an, an apologetics ministry myself." And I'm like, "Bro, you were in the right place. Yeah, that's what I do. What's the name of the ministry?" Because I you haven't heard of this one. I was like, oh, "Come on, man!" Because I'm like, you know, I'm all big dog and. Oh no! I go to the I go to the Evangelical Philosophical Society. I go to all the you know I've met all these guys. Yeah, I'm, I know these because there there are a lot of those different little uh, apologetics ministries out there. Some of them bigger than others, but you know you kind of know these guys. Yeah, he's like, well, you haven't heard of this one. It's a Catholic one. And by this point, I had kind of originally like when I first became a Christian, the Catholic Church was obviously the biggest cult on the planet a billion souls all going to hell yeah because they are following a false gospel man i had so i've over there i've got dave hunt's book a woman rides the beast i've got the sign i got him to sign it and uh you know the catholic church is the whore of revelation yeah she's the 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 one who sits on the city of seven hills out to deceive you know i've got fox's book of martyrs you name it i've got i've got a whole section over there my anti-catholic books Right, that when I first became a Christian back in '97 and '98, that's that's whenever I, I mean, I was in. Yeah, I still have the Alberto comics from Jack Chick. I got to show you <laughs> these before you leave. So they're this. It's a whole series of comic books that are just, I mean, ruthless against the Catholic Church. Yeah, I've heard I've heard of these before. I've got them, the originals. <laughs> they're amazing. So. Um, I, I, so I'm, I'm big time anti-Catholic. And then when I lived in Georgia, I rode an, on an airplane. And, it, and again, the so I knew Greg Kokel was friends with, uh, with uh, 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 what's his name? Francis. Um, Chan? No, 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 not Chan. Um, <laughs> the guy who, uh, the, I can't remember. I forgot. I've got their book up there. But they were both, they, they both wrote a pro-life book together. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they're fr- Francis Beckwith. And they're friends. They're friends. But they're, but. Francis Beckwith reverted and went back to the Catholic Church, mm. whereas Greg Kokel was someone who grew up Catholic and left the Catholic Church. And so, um, but I, that, so I was like, oh, well, they're friends with Catholics, but you know, I was a little bit still very weary, yeah, or leery rather of of Catholics. But I sat on a plane with a guy. He is a deacon, Leo Dykwig, and I sat on a, a flight next to him the whole time. Wait, a Catholic deacon? A Catholic deacon. Okay. And I'm peppering him with stuff. And he's going through, no, well, we don't believe that. Actually, the prayer is this. We don't worship Mary. We don't. So all these things that I got from Jack Chick and the Alberto co- comics and all this stuff that I'd had, that was the first step that I was at least like, oh, well, maybe it's not a cult hmm. of a billion people. Maybe they're just confused on some things. Yeah. You know, this church that's been around for 2,000 years, maybe they're the one, <laughs> you know, maybe we're the ones who've got it. Of yeah. course, we've got it right. But anyway, but, so I'm sitting here now, I'm with this guy, and I'm like, oh, well, we're friends. You know, I was like, oh, yeah, you're Catholic. That's cool. We've got a, you know, Francis Beck with all these other Catholic thinkers. I, 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 that's okay. But he wasn't content with that. 
he was actually challenging me. He, he then decided that he was going to challenge me on what I believed. Right, like why are you a Protestant? Yes. Yeah. Never happened before. I had had all these uh, these beliefs that were just given to me as, as if they were, you know, prima facie true. Like right. It's just, oh, it just is. And I even remember when I was a deacon at the church that you and I attended together, I, I remember in a deacon's meeting, we're studying 1 Timothy chapter 3 which is the qualifications for a bishop or a deacon, or excuse me, for an an elder elder or a deacon. That's right. Which is the word that we get bishop from. Right. And I remember asking in that meeting, the pastor that you and I both know, who now has sent us as apostates on the way to hell, (laughs) that, um, that I asked him, I said, boy, I mean, how did the church go so wrong so quick? Right? Meaning that all of these things that these early Christians taught and we're basically rediscovering it. Right. Like how did they, how did that happen? Well, you know, Paul was writing to the, the church, the church of Corinth and they had already got it wrong. Yeah. So I'd already had that, that, that mindset of like, but then, Oh yeah, you're right. And I'm brushed it away. So now I'm sitting here with this guy and he's just challenging me and he, and he, and he got me and we're, and it's about an hour, hour and a half argument. But gentlemen's argument. Right, right. Arguments are great, right? But yeah. but fights are bad. But this is an argument of two guys who are just kind of bouncing off one another and oh yeah, but well how about this? And we're we're kind of going back and forth. And he's and he got he got me with this. He said, uh, Well, what do you say the pillar and foundation of the truth is? Well, like any good Protestant, I say what? The Bible. Duh. Yeah. The pillar it's and the foundation. Word of God. It's the word of God. Yeah, right. He goes, Well, go to First Timothy chapter three. I'm like, Psh, what are you, a rookie? I've studied First Timothy chapter three ad nauseum. You're a Catholic, you've never read the Bible. Yeah, yeah. The Protestant yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. So so I go to First Timothy chapter three, and sure enough, right there after uh, Paul is going through to Timothy to explaining the qualifications for an elder and a deacon, it says, now I adjure you by the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. And I was like, well, that's interesting. But yeah. I didn't like, I was like, oh, well, and, and I and I had some kind of, you know, kickback to him on that. But it, like Greg Kokel says, he stuck a stone in my shoe. Right. That was the one thing that that, that, that whole argument, I felt like, I got a few hits on him, I felt like at the time, but that one, it stuck with me. Yeah. I was like, hmm, okay, well, I got that one wrong. I was off on that. So the church is the pillar and foundation of the truth. So what does that mean? And then now I'm on, now I'm on the slope. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that, that spiral and I'm just, and I, and I, and my whole point in doing this, and he, and here's another thing about him. He didn't let me, he didn't leave me alone. He's now sending me Scott Hahn, oh. Tim Staples. Yeah. He's sending me books. He's sending me CDs. He's sending me links, Catholic answers. Yeah. Catholic.com, which mm-hmm. was for me, it became I mean, I devoured that website. I devoured Catholic Answers. Yeah, well, I did. I did too. But I, that's one thing I remember when I was asking questions that I was kind of appreciative. Because in the beginning, I mean, I've told my story on 
yeah. podcast before, but like I always talk about it in stages. Like the first stage was kind of like, oh, I gotta help show my buddy Chad yeah. that like this is ridiculous, but I know I can't just come and blow a bunch of straw men at him because well, well, no, because we had more of like a mentor protege relationship, especially in your youth. Yeah, so it was not like you could just and and you're like, okay, this guy that I respect and love, well. I wonder why he's doing this. Well, yeah, and I was like, I know if I try to like argue with him, I've got to know what I'm talking <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, because yeah. I can't, I can't just be like, oh well, you guys worship Mary, because then I like I knew I it, my entire family, my mom's side of the family, everybody is Catholic, and I know that like there were some things that I was like, well, I mean, I know Catholics are wrong, but they don't, <laughs> they don't worship Mary. Yeah, like, yeah, that, they're not that wrong. Right. I, there were yeah. things that I was like, okay, they, you know, now like the Eucharist, like I would say, oh, they re-crucify Christ every Sunday. Correct. I'd be like, well, yeah, I mean, they do say that 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 really is Jesus, and yeah, so they and they call it the altar, so yeah, they're re-crucifying Christ, and that's wrong. That's a big deal. Which yeah, which of course you now know that's right. not quite yeah. Yes, that's that's not what's going on. No. But it's the same sacrifice that happened on Calvary, make, being made manifest to us right once again. Yes. Yeah, it's a it's a one we believe with the. Bible says about a one-time sacrifice, Correct. A once for all Correct. sacrifice. Correct. But anyway, yes. But, yes. So when you, when I was in the beginning of like, oh, I got to figure out these answers. I remember like reading a catechism. I bought a, a catechism of the Catholic yeah. Church very early on and would read through that a little bit. Well, because that's what because whenever you whenever it first came up, and that's what I told you. I said, well, look, if you have any questions, because I remember I've, I soft sold it to you big time. Because I knew our past yes. and the whole, oh, Chad said it, so Matt's yes. doing it. I was not going to be... Yeah, I, was, I got mad at you because I was like, just answer my freaking question. I was like, like just what? look it up, bro. Yes, and you kept... Multiple times you would ask me certain things. And there were certain... like Because that was... The, uh, we didn't you, mention that earlier. That even though I moved in 2013, you and I never... Oh, right. Wrote, we've always talked right. weekly. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Right, I mean, but mostly Facebook Messenger has been our means of communication, but it, but we talk all the time, right. right, and still to this day do, and so, so that was one that that whenever I did, you would come to me with things, and I'd be like, well, you can just just Google it, yeah, go go to go to Catholic Answers, look at look at them, oh, and uh, you can look up this guy, um, uh, uh, David Anders, right, yeah. like, the guys like, hey, just look up, see what they say, and figure it out, man. The only time you would answer. A question or engaging conversation is if I came to you and I said, "Okay, I read Catholic Answers and I read the Catechism on this point, but I still don't understand about X, Y, and Z." And yes, then you would, because yes. then you could tell, like, "Okay, you, you're putting in the work." Right. He's done his homework. Yes. And now he's got like questions, and it makes sense for me to engage. Correct. Versus, like, here's your spoon. Take your medicine. <laughs> <laughs> well, because because I I, I I just felt like because I knew you and I knew that you were not if you were going to, and I knew you were going to convert, I just knew you would because I knew you would approach this with humility, that you would approach this intellectually honest. Right. And do, and, and by the way, I'm not knocking anyone who doesn't convert after studying. Right. right. Um, and I don't believe that everyone who, but I, I do know that you have to be willing to be, admit that you're wrong about a very, big important issue well especially coming from where we the come culture from. we're in in the southern united yeah. states where it's like the only catholics that are that are here 
are just the, a few white people, a lot of Mexicans. Yep. Some of the, and the Vietnamese and like there's like there's there's not a lot of people that are our friends that we grew up with. Yeah. And and our family. Now you had the the interesting dynamic of your mom actually growing up Catholic. So you yeah. actually had aunts and uncles and grandmother. You had that, but I didn't have any of that, dude. Yeah. I had nothing. So as I'm going down and I'm spiraling down, and again, back to what I was saying is that I, my whole point was to try to beat Tim yeah, and show him that he was wrong, you know? And, but, but I did, and I, and I do remember this and, and he, he, he remembers this as well. I told him as it was, we're winding up our argument that day and he's already punched me in the face with the pillar and foundation <laughs> of the truth. I said, I said, look, and I meant it. I said, if whatever is the truth, I do. That's what I want to believe. Yeah. If Islam is true, mm -hmm. Allahu Akbar, right? Like I, I want to be the best Muslim I can be. Yeah. If if Jehovah's Witnesses, if atheism, whatever, if it's true, because I, I don't want to believe a lie. Right. Right. I mean, I do not want to believe something that's not true. It would. It would. I, I can't. I can't do that. Yeah. And I and I truly approached it like that, and, and I think he understood that. But I still felt like I was right. But then now I'm going through and I'm digging and I'm digging and I'm digging. And I would watch uh, James White debates with mm -hmm. people. Because again, I want to steal man. And I'm, even though I know my own position as a Protestant pretty well, I want to see the like the actual guys who are fighting the Catholics. Yeah. Right? Either current day or historically. Go back and read these guys. Read the you know read what Spurgeon is saying about the Catholic Church. Read what Jonathan Edwards is saying. Read what James White. Listen to what James. And he's the modern day, you know. He's the big guy. As a matter of fact, as you know, James White was brought in to our former church. Yeah. And the conference that they put together specifically because all of these friends that I had made and these relationships that were very strong. Because whenever we left the church, I mean, we kept in touch with all of our friends back in Georgia. Yeah. And there were those will are and some of them to this day. I mean, I've still got like you, obviously, but there are a few other families that are. I mean, I'm still very, very like Rick and Jeannie. I mean, those, those yeah. are my. I love them as much as anybody, but they didn't take the approach that the others did. Right. Where some, literally to this day, will not talk to us. Yep. We were because the pastor was so because he felt like I was leading because I had a I was a deacon there right so you I had were a very influential yeah I had a position of influence there and so he and and by the way I actually respect him for that because he's protecting his flock from yes. what he truly believes is heresy yes that, so, yeah so that, you know I, I get it that's why I held that in the pocket and right. I didn't tell you were one of the only ones that I told you and Rick were one of the only people that I told in private beforehand because I knew what a bomb it was going to be Yeah. when I let that off publicly. Right. And so that's why I waited until after your wedding. So by the time, <laughs> so that was now a, a, a year later, I'm now, I'm now at the point where I, I'm, I know I'm going to convert. Right. And, and so, but I, but I wait because I don't want to come to the wedding and things were already tense with a few people there because of alcohol. Yeah, alcohol and music and It like, was mostly alcohol though. Yeah, yeah, just Which by the way, haven't has that church changed positions on alcohol now? I believe they have. Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm hey, pretty God sure. bless them, man. I'm not out to judge anyone for it, you know, yeah, I mean, but doesn't the Bible say something about wine making the heart glad? Don't worry about that. That's yeah. yeah. 
It's grape juice. Don't worry. Yes, it was. Yeah, the first the first <laughs> miracle that Jesus yeah performed. I, I remember because I I grew up like that was the church that I went to since I was like five. Yes. Um. So I can remember when I was young, young. The argument was well, when it says wine, it really means grape juice. Yeah. And then it turned from that into well, they didn't have clean modern day water treatment systems, which is which, true. Like they did, so they drank wine because it which would is kill true. off the bacteria. That is true. They, but they didn't drink any water at all ever. It was only wine because if you drink the water you're going to die well yeah so they would dilute and that is true of well course yes but but yeah but they would also get you know your heart was made their heart was, by, yeah they were, they were making their marriage yeah their heart married so so yeah so then whenever i finally get to, so I'm, I'm i'm battling i'm kicking against the goads right yeah. that's one thing that rick always talked about you know as paul kicking against the goads uh, where he's just resisting, you know, and I and I, I was doing the same thing. I'm resisting. I don't want to convert because once I finally, and I think I've always thought of it like as a roller coaster. So once I'm I'm click click clicking up, and I'm just yep. trying to fight it, and every t- where I go, then all of a sudden I get to the top. I'm like, oh man, here it comes. I'm, I can't be. I can't be a pro. And by the way, now that I'm in I'm in Texas at this point, and I'm leading worship at the, this Bible church that we we were a part of, and I'm up there. And I'm singing songs, and I'm and I'm leading in the Sovereign Grace songs. Yeah. And there are a few of them that there are words, there are stanzas in there, and there are statements in those songs because we do share obviously a lot with our, our Protestant brothers and sisters. But yeah. there are certain positions that like that's I do not believe that. Yeah. Right. And and by the way, I do want to back up because I well at that point I'm I'm now I can't remain a Protestant but but what I did and what I committed to after that day that I was here I want to go to the five solas let's go to the five solas which you've addressed those right yeah and so I thought okay so solid sola day of gloria to the glory of God alone I'm like okay well we agree on that yep right uh, sol solus Christus we believe we t- totally believe in that right Right and and again, because I've already known the straw men that were built against Catholics, they believe to the glory of God alone. They believe in Christ alone, and they definitely believe in grace alone. Mm-hmm. Which that was a, a huge and as you, I think you had a similar revelation where the the concept of grace in the Catholic Church, yeah, is I mean, look, I'm just saying, it's much more rich and. Thick and potent, mm-hmm. and what and fleshed out. And I'm not saying that it's, that grace is not important to the Protestant. Obviously, it is. Right. But I'm just saying the doctrine itself is so thick, and because everything is by grace, it's by God's grace. So again, we actually agree with them on that. Yeah. And I would say we have a much more robust position on it. But these two we didn't agree on. Sola fide. Yep. Right. So I knew we didn't believe in that, and in sola scriptura. So yeah. I thought, okay, look, if I can look for if the pillar and foundation of the truth is not sola scriptura and it's the church. So I figured, look, if I can figure out the authority mm-hmm. and salvation, because those are kind of important. Yep. Right? Because <laughs> if I get the salvation wrong, I'm going to hell. Right. Right? Or if, and if I get the authority right, then if the church says the sky is green, then guess what? The sky is green. Yeah. Because I actually trust that authority. Right. So that's really what I went after with those two historically, biblically. And by the way, I think you had a similar deal where when I was studying this and I'm going to Catholic Answers and I'm going to Scott Hahn and I'm going to Tim Staples, I'm going to all these guys, 
the biblical arguments are almost exclusively what I focused on. Mm-hmm. And then you start going to the fathers, and yeah. it's like, now you're in dangerous territory. Right. Yeah, because yeah, I remember having this revelation where, like, because in the church where we grew up in, we heard a lot about the reformers, or like, yes, or like very Calvinist, yes, Protestants. Like it was like Jonathan. Had, I remember there was a summer where it was like the Hall of Faith of <laughs> Protestant Calvinists. Yes, yes, and it was Spurgeon, like Spurgeon had a quote every Sunday. Yes, yeah, Spurgeon and Jonathan Edwards and John Calvin and Zwingli. Knox, yeah, yeah. And like I can remember reading all the stories of these people, and I I don't know what it was, but I can remember in part of like when I was looking into the church i was like okay i I can remember hearing about all these like what we would call big pillars and strong like faithful men and i was like but all these guys like lived within the last 500 years right and did like you know like the church has been around for 2000 plus years at this point so what about the guys for the that 1500 like you'd sometimes hear about saint augustine yeah oh augustine but yes the calvinists love quoting augustine and and cherry picking yes there's like three quotes though they love because he's his view on sovereignty right and predestination those are the ones that they really like augustine for calvin really liked augustine for that yes and i remember um even before i moved to georgia that uh the church i was going to a bible church that we were studying St. Thomas Aquinas and St. Augustine. Mm. And it was, again, because Calvinists were looking at them. And so, and even if they would quote Ignatius of Antioch and Polycarp and Clement of Rome, which, by the way, they don't. Right. But if they were to, and any time you would pull a quote from those guys, it would be, like St. Justin Martyr, it would be a quote that, that, again, we would still all agree on. Yeah, right. About the, let's say, about the deity of Christ. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Let's, let's, let's quote the fathers on all these things that they agree with. But you start actually reading the fathers. Mm-hmm. And these are people like St. Ignatius and you re- and St. Polycarp like, and St. Clement. Yeah. These are people who actually knew the apostles. Yeah. Like they actually sat under them. Right. Irenaeus. Like, come on, man. These guys are... These, they're, they spoke the same language. They lived in the same culture. And a lot of them even knew these guys. Yeah. And so when we start reading what they say yeah. about baptism, about ecclesiology, about the Eucharist, about salvation, it's like, whoa. Yeah. About the prayers for the dead, mm-hmm. the dead praying for them. It's, it, you start reading that, you're like, yeah. this is... That- that's when uh, this is sticky. I don't. I don't remember if you sent it to me or how I came across it. But that earlychurchfathers.org. Mm-hmm. I, I think maybe I had. I, I did send it to you, yeah, because that was. Okay. One. I was like, yeah, just check this one out. Yeah, right. Because unlike, because unlike that, where where the Protestants will pull uh, quotes from the fathers that that fit their yes. position, this is one that the Catholic guy is like, hey. Two can play that game. Right. You ready for this? <laughs> <laughs> what about our blessed mother? No! Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? Oh, and by the way, here's the date. It just happens to be 150 AD. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. yeah. Just uh, remember the Corin- the Corinthians, the church at Corinth, in between 1st and 2nd Corinthians, they got it wrong. So maybe that's what happened. Maybe all these guys are wrong. Right. Yeah. But th- but that's what that's when the dominoes start falling. Yeah. And boy, once you go to the fathers, man, it's like, oh my gosh. And then what's really uh, was fascinating to me is you read the fathers, what they say, and you read the catechism today. Yeah. The current catechism. And there is nothing in conflict. Yeah, because I can remember. So that was one point that 
I I remember it on like in my conversion that stop I did get kind of hung up on because I was like, oh, okay, well, some of your Marian dogmas like you didn't define those till like the last one was what 1970s or something? Uh, uh no, or the 50s. No, the, well, the, yeah, the 50s. Whenever the the uh, the uh, the uh, well the uh, the two that were finalized were the uh, the assumption. Yep. Right, and and that was, and then the um, um, oh, what was it? The assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. That was not that was not dogma until that was the one at the in the late. We'll have to look at that. And then the other one was the oh, the Immaculate Conception. Yes. Yeah, the Immaculate Conception, which we which we as a Protestant, if we heard the Immaculate Conception, we would think it, we're actually Jesus. Thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Matter of fact, I remember uh, there was a. Uh, uh, the show that Ben Stein used to host and Jimmy Kimmel got his start there. And he asked Ben, it was, you were, take Ben Stein's money, whatever that was. And Ben Stein got that question wrong because the Immaculate Conception concerns the birth of, and he goes, Jesus. Yeah. And I remember this back years ago, way before I even thought about that. And it was about Mary. So that, the Immaculate Conception, that was the one that was, that was defined as dogma in the 50s. Yes. So I can remember, like. However, of- let's just say though, for any listeners who might still be with us, that that that, that concept was there. Well, yes. So that's what I was going to say. Like, Sorry. oh, well, you, you know. They just came up with this in 1940 and made it official. In 19- right. It's like, no. Like, the like, oh, well, you guys didn't have your views on justification until the Council of Trent 1,500 years <laughs> right. later. Yeah. And then you start reading some of these church fathers, and it's like, Same well, thing. no, the belief has always been, been there, there, but the it what yes, just because it wasn't dogmatized until this point. As a response to the heresy that was coming about right. yes. at the time. It's kind of like with your kids. I think about it like disciplining your children, right? Like, my kids are six years old. Yes. My oldest is six. Your kids are grown teenagers. Correct. You're going to tell your kids who Different. are teenagers yes. don't don't drink alcohol and drive in a car. I would not tell my six year old child. To. She's gonna have no clue. Yeah. Like, she's gonna be like, oh, okay, well, why? <laughs> yeah. What is drinking? What is alcohol? Yeah. And what do you mean car? driving a car? Yeah, I'm six. Yeah. That's a very good analogy. Yeah. So That's a very like, good analogy. it's the same thing with the church. The church grows, right? Like, correct. Like, correct. The, it's not like. Well, like St. John Henry Newman with the development of doctrine, like, and by the way, he gets abused and abused by people nowadays, like, like Catholics for choice, who want to say that, oh, the development of doctrine means that, oh, we can now all of a sudden legitimately just overturn. It's like, no, that's not what he's talking about. It's, it's, it's like the oak tree that's growing. And now, yeah. And that, and that's what that was. Um, How did we get on the, 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 the dogmas that got defined? Well, because I was saying that that was a holdup for me, because I oh yeah, at, yeah at one point I was like the Marian oh by the way, and I'm with I think both of us the Marian doctrines and yeah. the dogmas were there as always the last one to fall. That was yeah, that was the, the hardest pill to swallow. Yeah, but boy, won't you swallow it? Yeah, it's so good. The, yeah, the Marian devotion. <laughs> I, I I have a Marian devotion more than like yeah, anything else. Like yeah, yeah. I mean, yes. look at my house. You know, like you know, I <laughs> right. mean, and and and. And we talked about this. Uh, well, I won't get into the whole the mommy issues and all that stuff. But I think that right. the, the but the Marian uh, doctrines were for sure the hardest to swallow. Yeah. Because it goes because there is a difference. And but here's what and I don't know how it was for you because I don't think we talked about this part of it. Well, wait, wait, wait. Hold yeah, on. go ahead, please. So I in that when you're talking about like 
it was weird because for me, I, I'm maybe I had a different experience with some of the issues with Marion Dogmas than you did. Because like I, my mom was great. She like wonderful. Always, we come from different places. Oh, but, we did, but it, it wasn't. It was. It was really. It was. It, it was actually kind of easy for me to at least accept the because once I understood of the intercession of the saints Mm -hmm. or the communion of the saints, right? Once I understood that the church triumphant and the church militant Mm -hmm. are still the church. Right. Once I understood, and and again, the fathers was huge in this, that where I now understood that early on, these guys are asking for the intercession of saints, uh, St. Paul. Right. And yeah. St. Peter. Yeah. And by the way, I, I think I told you this, that when we, after we became Catholic, Heather and I went to Rome, we're down in the catacombs. Yep. And we're down there, and this is an ancient Christian burial ground. This is this was around, I think they dated it as second century, but early second century. So let's say 127 AD. Yeah. And there's a, a, a just a grave of some random guy. And on that grave is inscribed, St. Peter and St. Paul pray for whoever right. this guy was. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. Wait a minute. So now, now of course, this just confirmed because by now I'm already Catholic. But it was again going back to the fathers and looking to the intercession of someone who has died, who has now been glorified in heaven, and that I can ask that person to pray for me. Yeah. And once I understood that, then it was a it was just a few more steps to understand. Okay, well, so I, so I true because Mary has died and is in heaven. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I think that, that that's something that whether you, the, the view of the assumption is it is not dogmatized whether she was assumed alive or dead. Actually, most, uh, even in the Orthodox and Catholic faith, believe that she was, she died. Right. And that she was assumed bodily into heaven. Right. But that she now can pray for us. Yeah. And, it's, and then, and this is where that struggle was, that as Jesus's mother, that she has her prayers are a little bit different. Right. Right. And they are. Yeah. And of course, then you start looking at what she truly represents, the new Eve, the ark, and you look at the old Testament to uh, typography. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That, then once you go down and start studying that, it's like, I mean, I'm getting chills. Like, yeah. cause it's pretty profound stuff. Yeah. It really is the queen mother yeah. and what she was to Solomon. And man, it's like, you start going through that. But it was the the key for me was I now believe that I can ask St. Francis de Sales or St. Patrick mm-hmm. or St. Monica or the, to pray for me. So, if, okay, well, then now I believe that Mary can intercede for us. And then it was just a matter of putting her in the proper position. Yeah. My, my biggest issue with the Marian dogmas is I remember thinking, like, yeah, well, okay, I agree with, like, kind of some of what you guys are saying but you put mary too high on a pedestal you're sacrificing bulls to her or something what are y'all doing (laughs) slow down maximilian colby yeah right yeah yeah there's just like you i i kept thinking okay i understand that like you know that she should be blessed among women and everything and that does mean more than like christmas saying hey mary you're blessed but like i think the catholics take it too far i remember thinking that and then I don't know what it was, but one day I just remember thinking, like, 
but why did the Catholics do that with Mary? Like, what's the point? Like, why does Mary get the treatment that no one else does? Yeah. And then once I answered it, it was like, full of grace. Hail Mary, full of grace. So did what God is that himself, yeah. you know, minimize her role? Yeah. Not really. Right. Well, the thing that I had thought, too, is like, okay, well, any any kind of positive attribute that you look at Mary and, and think of, or any kind of good, like, uh, veneration or hyperdulia yes. of Mary that you give is uh, Mary is only in her position because of the grace that God gave her. Correct. And so then, can you venerate her more than her son did? Right. Yeah. I, I, I just, remember the first time I heard that, I was like, oh, well. Once I once I first once I understood that, I was like, okay, so now like it makes sense because it's not like Mary just worked hard enough or Mary pulled right. up her bootstraps straps more better than anybody else did i mean she did but it's like what how was she able to because she was full of grace and who gave her that grace what was god let it be done to me yeah you're not you're not you're not worshiping mary because if mary had never experienced if she had never been full of god's grace in the first place she'd Mm -hmm. be some just a regular old woman of the time walking around on the streets just like everybody else was well hey saint elizabeth her cousin didn't view her that you know she didn't view her as just some average, you know, oh, oh, my cousin's coming in. Right. Hey, Mary, what's up? No. She says, how can it be right. that the mother of my Lord would come to me? And and, and so, and which is interesting because she was her cousin. Yeah. How how, how can it be that the, the mother of my Lord, not like yes. the, the bearer of Jesus or yeah, like yeah. that Jesus come and visit me or like the savior of my soul come and visit me, but the mother of my Lord come and visit me. Correct. So like she understands her role. Instantly. Yeah. And that was her cousin that before she would have just said, she would have greeted her normally. Yeah. Because she wouldn't have known. Right. But then all of a sudden, so yeah, so things changed. And and so that to me, like once and once, now I don't know, I don't know if we even need to go down the road of this, but once I realized I could no longer remain a pro, and that's what it was. I realized I was Mm -hmm. similar to where Angel is, right? Right. Your wife, which y'all talked about on here. Yeah. Where... She's, she's still not quite ready to be Catholic because there's things that she has to settle, but she knows I can't be a Protestant. Right. right. And that's where I was. I was like, well, I can't remain Protestant because there are too many things uh, going, to, way too many issues going back that I'm just convinced uh, that the, the church should not have been fragmented the way that it was. Yeah. The kicker for me, the most difficult one for me, was the Orthodox. Because mm. now I get to these two rivers I got the Bosphorus and I got the Tiber. Yeah. Right. And they're neither one. And they're and and, and when you look at the beliefs that we share, it's now now and like we talked earlier, like the the Orthodox would be much more. Oh no, we disagree on so many things. It's like, do we though? Yeah. Right. Do we though? Talk to a Baptist, brother. <laughs> yeah. And and, and then and then talk to a Catholic. Yeah. And let's find the things that we disagree. We disagree. They disagree. But interestingly, they they agree on the primacy of the Bishop of Rome. They actually do. Hmm. But they believe that he is in schism. That he's in rebellion ever since. And it's but to me, once I realized that the differences between the East and the West, and that's why so many uh, Eastern churches, Eastern Rite churches that come back into full communion with Rome, mm-hmm. they keep their liturgy. Yeah. They keep they keep their mass. Yeah. Right? It's the same thing. It's just now their bishop is in communion with the Bishop of Rome. Right. And so, so yeah. And, and, and by the way, it's worth noting that me personally, when I came into the faith, I, I intentionally 
put Pope Francis uh, out of my mind because I knew I disagreed with him politically, hmm. socially, some of the things that he says and does. And I didn't want that to poison the well with me to where I'm like, well, I can't become Catholic. Right. But what I think it, and it, I think it did is it gave, uh, it, it, I'm, not an, I'm not an ultramontanist, right? Which is where I think a lot of cradle Catholics fall into ultramontanism, which is, which is essentially that when, they, when the Pope says anything, oh, okay. they right. just, they, oh, the Pope said it. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's not what the church teaches. Right. That is not what the church teaches. When the Pope speaks ex cathedra, yeah. and by the way, that was one of the straw men, that that uh, that all the Protestants that we've read and talked to and heard that they'll say, oh, well, you follow your your Pope and his little pointy hat and anything that he says, yeah. you have to do it. But that's not what the Church has ever taught. No, never. When he speaks ex cathedra, right, which has happened, like of, of the the two we talked about earlier, those two in the last hundred years, yeah. Prior to that, hardly anything. The Pope hardly ever speaks with final, absolute authority and says, this is it. If yeah. you're on this side, you're right. And if you're on this side, you're wrong. Period. Yeah. Which, frankly, I wish that they would do that more often. Right. Because yeah. I don't like that gray. <laughs> yeah, I like the black and white. Yeah. yeah. This is like we talked about with mortal and venial sins. I love that. Right. Now I've got a guideline. Mm-hmm. I've, got a, I've, got a, uh, I've got guardrails. Right. That keep me locked in. And I know if I step out of that, well, there it is. Yeah. There's no more ambiguity. Yeah. Right? But yeah. but yeah, that was so once I re- realized that the difference between and I'm not minimizing the difference between east and west, but the fact that well again we, we, I keep saying we were talking about it earlier. We talked about a lot of stuff earlier, but we uh, <laughs> we talked about the valid Eucharist. Oh, yes. Yes. That the orthodox have. Right. Matter yeah. of fact, I, I don't know about every, but almost any uh, Catholic parish you go into into their bulletin, mm-hmm. they'll put little guidelines for receiving the Eucharist. It'll say for fellow Catholics, for Orthodox, right, and for for our Protestant brethren, right, and and it's totally different. So basically, what happens is for the for the the Protestants, it's like don't receive, yeah, don't even come up, yeah, you just don't want to do it, right. Whereas if you're Orthodox. Talk to your priest, talk to your bishop. Yeah. Because they can receive ours and we can receive theirs. Now they don't, what, but because it's a, it is the body, blood, soul, right. and divinity. It is a valid Eucharist. It is a valid Eucharist. Right. In the East, in the Eastern Orthodox. Yeah. yeah. We could go to an, but it, it, now I don't want to, it's a whole can is of worms. Is it illicit? Is it illicit? Well, right. It, well, <laughs> the, but, but what's interesting is that, but yet going to divine liturgy does not fill your Sunday obligation. Hmm. So you can't go to an Orthodox liturgy and be like, well, I've fulfilled my Sunday obligation. Right. You know, but it's funny, man. Like, you know, when the things that you and I talk about, just let's go back seven years and take those two guys and start to have put those two guys in with these two guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I, well, I don't know that I ever was like. Anti-Catholic. No, you couldn't because you you had a you had a grandmother whom you loved dearly. Yes, that was and, devoutly Catholic. Yeah, and aunts and uncles and cousins and you know like everything else that that and and I think. Oh, I, I consigned her to hell, and I have no problem doing it, man. <laughs> All yeah. of them. 
Well, yeah, it was like I there there are certain people who like like my grandma, for example. I can remember as a kid, uh, like just thinking, okay, so you mean to tell me that like my grandmother is going to hell solely because she's a catholic who knows what catholics believes and 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 agrees to it correct but if she was a confused catholic then it might be she might be she might have a shot she might be okay but if she but because she knows what catholics teach she walks around with a rosary in her hand yeah like she's definitely not but like but then i would look at it and go okay but like the Bible doesn't say, like, you will know them by their theology, but it says you'll know them by, by their, their fruit. 100%. And, like, I know my grandma, yeah. and, like, I she does things that, like, most people wouldn't do. Like, there's not, like, this isn't just, like, normal human behavior, a behavior yeah. that she's doing. Like, something else is going on yeah. here. And then there was always be, it would always be, well, she may be just a confused Catholic. <laughs> she it's just, like, but she's not. Yeah. She knows what the church is. Just pray, teaches. Matt, that she's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. but, 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 I, but I think the, the, the thing that, that got me to the point, one, was being humbled. Because, like I said, back whenever I first became a Christian, I had a lot to learn. And, and I, I called it the salvation police. Right, and, oh, and that's what I was part. Of. I think you know you remember that. I've talked to you about that. Yes. The Salvation Police is that's what I and I was a proud. I mean, I was like a sheriff. Yeah, I love being a part of the Salvation <laughs> Police, and pride goes before fall. Right, and yeah. I and I had sinful things that happened in my life that uh, you got to you got to eat your humble pie. And I started realizing, well, wait a minute, man. And this was pr- way prior to even thinking about becoming Catholic. Right, was. I don't, I don't, because I also, it's good you bring that up, the fruits that you'll know them. Oh, yeah. I started seeing the fruits of the salvation police that were around me that it was, it was, it was, they were not good fruits. Right. It was, it was fruits of bitterness and, and judgment and, and anger. Yeah, like a prideful, like, I've got the answers. I've got the answers. And you don't. And you don't. Yeah. And guess what? Like, think of the hubris, the yeah. hubris of someone to tell you that your grandmother is going to hell and that person is not God. Right. Yeah. Because of Who? theology. Who do you think you are, bro? Yeah. And 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 so I, and again, I think that it, the, the Catholic theology so ties up with it where I have got so much to worry about with me. Right. I got a lot of work. To I do. got a lot of work to do, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I've got a lot of sanctification to grow in. Yeah, I've got a lot that I need to figure out. And the second that I can finally get to the point where I'm like, I'm so sanctified and on my path to sainthood. Well, guess what? The second that I say, well, you know what? I do want to be a part of the Salvation Police. It's like, nah. Now you're out because that's pride, and now you're out again. Right. You're right. So, so it was getting to that point of understanding that. It's not my place to judge anybody. Yeah. Now, like for instance, let's take the the homosexuality issue. Right. I am utterly convinced that what the church teaches on everything is true. Right. And that I believe that it is inherently disordered. I believe that any sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman is a mortal grave sin. Right. Any sexual activity, including masturbation. Yeah. Right? Any of that. Is is fully, it, it is going to send you to hell. Right. That said, I still, when I'm engaging with a, a homosexual friend or family member, right? Mm-hmm. I think family member. 
definitely friends. They know where I stand on this. Yeah. They know where I am on it. Mm -hmm. But yet that doesn't impede on our friendship. Now, I'm not going to go to their wedding. Right. Yeah. Right. And by the way, but that's just, I'm just saying, I'm not going to. Right. And, but yet I love them. I treat them with dignity. Yeah. And they know that. But they also know that, but, but yet at the end of the day, when that person dies, I'm not going to say he's going to hell. Right. Because I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. What I because because here if if I here's the thing if I do that guess what I'm not doing when that person dies I'm not praying for their soul right because I'm convinced that they're in hell yeah there's no use there's no use in it right but there is a chance that he's actually in purgatory yeah and we know that and like we know that God God created intentionally created every single human being and the desire for every single human being that is created and the trajectory is that you would be in full union with him. Yes. So like that is God's hope. I don't know that that would, is going to happen. And, but, and you brought up the other day, you don't know what happens in the mind and in the soul with someone in their final moments. Right. None of us do. The right. thief on the cross, St. Dismas. Yeah, is a is a and, and of course Protestants want to use that guy baptism. See, you don't need yeah. baptism, Saint Dismas. <laughs> of course, they wouldn't call him Saint Dismas either. But but no, he is a good example of like this man was literally at the end of his life. Yeah, and most likely had he not been crucified where he was, but who knows? But the fact of the matter is, is that that's one of the few people that we know for a fact is in heaven. Yeah, Jesus Himself said, "Surely, yeah, I assuredly I say to you." Today, you will be with me in paradise. Right. It's like, okay, so we know that guy. Yeah, he's thief, definitely in heaven. He's definitely in heaven. <laughs> he's one of the only guys you can truly say that about. Yeah. Yeah, because it's just like, it, you know, I don't know. Except, actually, we can say about the saints, because, but now we're back to the, the question of authority, yeah. which is once the church determines that someone is a saint, because it's verified by miracles of their intercession and their, their saintly life and all the check boxes that go into that. Yeah. We have confidence that, yes, I can ask St. Francis of Assisi to pray for me right. under the authority of the church. Yeah, well, and I, that actually, that brings up a point I meant to talk about earlier. In, like during my conversion, part of, so I have a good friend, Jake, uh, who I would talk to a lot about because Jake is a really fair guy, and he's the type of person that he has very strong convictions, and he has things studied out, and like he's like, I have answers for the reasons that I believe things. But if he's provided with the evidence, like he has changed his mind on a number of things since I've known him, and I've known him yeah. years and years. Because you know, not not saying like I've changed his mind, but like he does the research on his own, and he's like, you know, well. I've looked into it and I just, I've realized I'm wrong and I need to change. And so he will. Um, so anyways, I don't know why I threw that out there. He's a good guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so he's, he's someone that I would talk to about this because I knew that I could talk to him and he wouldn't throw straw men up and he would give good arguments. And if there was a solid argument for something, he'd say, maybe I'm wrong about this. But I can remember talking to him about like, a bunch of like Mariology and like the Eucharist and all this stuff. And we would go back and forth and we'd have different Bible verses that we would throw back and forth to each other, each other. And then one day he said, you keep looking at all the things that they matter, but they don't really matter. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, you need to, you, all this stuff is side stuff. The thing you need to figure out is who has the authority. Does the church 
and scripture have authority or is it scripture alone because right now me and you are like you know if you say the church you're has down authority, in the weeds yeah you're down in the yeah. weeds at this point it's like, no, no, no. he was like if if the church has authority then all you have to do is say okay well it's not explicitly in the bible but the church says x y and z like i said if the church says the sky is green right that's it right and that's why exactly that's so and, and again i didn't even give you that early on no because i didn't want to I, I so I, but the lord led you there through jacob to actually get you to that point where it's like, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't start focusing on these little, and, not, and again, they're not uh, unimportant. They're they are important, but get to the authority. Right? Yeah, yeah. Who has the authority? And then that that was one of the bigger. That was like. So I always talk about my conversion. There was like a like a heady conversion where I was like, check, like logically, I'm there. Yeah. But then I was still a Protestant because I was like, well, it, you know, like I intellectually know Catholicism is true, but like. They're just another denomination, and they like the priests wear funny looking clothes. <laughs> I still don't know how you because you, you so for me, it was like just a little right around a year for you. It was, I mean, what was that, two or three Seven. years? It from the point I started initially looking into Catholicism to the time that I converted, it was like seven or eight years. Seven or eight years, yeah. Jeez. Because I, my entire life, since I was five years old, I was growing up telling if you're a Catholic who knows what the church believes, and oh, I know, you die and go to hell. But anyway, so I that's that was like my intellectual conversion was, I I just was like, and I think what did it was when I started looking at, uh, <laughs> I just asked like, wait a second, in my Protestant Bible I've got sixty six books. These are all individual letters written by individual authors mm -hmm. to specific people. Who got to pick? That these books were the books, and then I was like, and you knew, and you knew that there were books that back then the Shepherd of Hermas, there were plenty of, of of local churches scattered around that they would read that. Right. They would read the Shepherd of Hermas as scripture. Right. The first letter of Saint Clement of Rome, they would read that as scripture. Yeah. They didn't know, or the the, the Apocalypse of Peter. Yeah. Right. There were all these. There were. It was floating around. Yeah. So I I just was like, yeah. The the like the Bible didn't come with an index like mm. god didn't hand us the the bible like he did moses no, and the ten commandments and, and that same question is like so why is the church not arian right now why is it not nestorian why do we not hold these views of arius and people don't understand the church was on the edge of a knife yeah from becoming arian there were emperors there were prominent bishops and of course, like all great heretics, they all come. And that's one thing that people will try to use as a as a as a knock against the church. But I remember discovering that early on was that actually, the fact that the church has had so many heretics. And by the way, Jesus promised us that. Right. Right. The wheat and the tares you'll always have with you. Yeah. But don't you don't just come in and tear up the 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 tares, and because you'll tear up the wheat too. Right. The Lord of the harvest is going to be the one to do that. So they grow up together. Yeah. And but but I I remember realizing that well because all these heretics came up through the church and they were all bishops or priests that the fact that we have still stayed the course. Yeah. And but it it goes back to that issue of authority that that it so that sacred scripture, sacred tradition and the magisterium, that three-pronged approach. Yep. That all kind of keep one another in check by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right that has protect protected the church gave us the bible and also kept us 
from all of these heresies taking over. And so that's why we can still go back today, like we talked earlier, and find the writings of these guys from 2,000 years ago. And then yeah. it's right there with us right now. Well, that's like you, like I've been asked, well, okay, well, why are you put, why would you ever put your faith in these like fallen sinful men? Men have done terrible, awful things. Catholic priests have done terrible, awful, awful oh, yeah. things. Popes have been known to do terrible, awful things before, and I had to say, absolutely, you're one thousand percent correct. Did they, did they murder Christians? Did they? Were they on the road to Damascus to actually go and murder Christians? Right. Oh, yeah. Well, you take a lot of his writings. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, but my my thing is always, I yes, I absolutely believe in the authority of the church, but who is empowering that authority just like with Mary it's not Mary herself no. that I'm venerating or no. hyper venerating it's the grace that God has given what God is doing it's through, through, through God. her right. and the same thing with the authority of the church That's right. I, because I know that the Bible it, the Bible says that Jesus established a church and, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it right and like I will give you my like I will be with you until the end of the age. Yes. Do we believe that Jesus is going to be with His church until the end of right. the age or not? So there's not the church did not get confused in some time between the time Jesus left and the year 1500. Yeah. And we needed a priest to come along and say, nope, nope, nope. It's been wrong. This we don't know when it went wrong. Well, and by the way, I would say that 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 especially when you look at the theses that were nailed to the, the church at Wittenberg, mm-hmm. if you look at those theses and you actually look at all the points that he made, most of them we agree with. Right. Because they were abuses that were happening in the church at that time. Yeah. And he wasn't wrong. Yeah. Selling indulgences. Right. That's that's wrong. <laughs> extremely wrong. That needed to be changed. And Pope Leo, who was the Pope at the time, said, he's right. Right. Those are wrong. We got bishops doing that? Yeah. That should not happen. Yeah, yeah. The problem is Luther didn't reform the church. He left and started his own. Correct. Like the church has gone through times of reformation plenty of times before, and it's good and it oh, needs yeah. to happen. Saint Francis of Assisi was not pulling punches. Right. Like everyone views him as this guy with you know birds flocking around. It's like you look at what he wrote and what he did. Saint <laughs> Catherine of Siena. Like some of these people, they were openly going to popes and rebuking them to their face. Yeah. Right, in or, but they didn't leave and start their own deal. We can see in the Bible where Peter is corrected, and Peter's the first. Saint Paul pope. says, "I corrected him to his face." Yeah, he's the first pope. Yes, and he was corrected. Well, and even if you even if you don't even accept that 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 he was the first, but even if you just say that, well, Saint Peter's kind of important, right? And Saint Paul's like, yeah, well, he 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 ignored the Gentiles. Yeah, because the Judaizers who were there, and he catered to them, and I rebuked him to his face. So yeah, so that that whole but but it gets, it still goes back to that question of authority, and that's what I would encourage anyone who is open to being wrong. Yeah, about what they've all and and boy, it, it's hard. It's hard because our starting gates are totally different. Yeah, you've got a horse race running against like a, a, a rodeo. It's not even a, it's, it's a whole different, Yeah. there's a horse involved, but it's, right? <laughs> right? It's a whole different thing. So, so our starting point is, is that's why those starting points are so important yep. because I, it was so hard as a Protestant to just come to the point where I understood that the Bible didn't fall out of heaven and was yeah. just there and that I can just take the Bible and interpret it on my own. Right. Which we still are encouraged as, as Catholics to read the Bible. 
Yeah. And to and to study it. Mm-hmm. And but you but we have that guardrail like I was talking earlier. Right. And so, but yeah, get, getting out of the gates is under, is understanding. Well, we've got to get to the to the gates to begin with. Yeah. Because we're like you were doing. We're 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 now saying, oh, well, you're you're at this point in the lap. It's like, no, I'm racing barrels. Right. Well, let's get, let's get back to the to the main thing. So I would encourage anyone who's open to being wrong, and I think all of us are. Um, or we should be to just go to those two questions and really the authority one is the one yeah but study these study these 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 topics as it relates to the authority of the church look to the fathers see what they said about all of these things that you've taken for granted all these years and be open to being corrected and going into the weirdest thing that you've ever experienced yeah which is the holy sacrifice of the mass because then once you're there you under like i remember it being weird or actually you know what i did i didn't go to mass so i was at the, at the roller coaster had already crested yeah and i'm now on the back side of it yeah but because i had gone to a methodist church before which is very liturgical uh, and yeah. it was weird and I, and I didn't i remember fit, weird was the word i was like this is weird um, and this is again well before I thought about becoming Catholic. I had that memory though, and I'm like, man, I don't want to go to mass, and it messed this up because I feel like this is the truth, mm. yeah. and I was really afraid. And I, 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 I thought, man, if I go there and it turns me off, it's now I'm going to get my emotions involved, right? Because like you, like you, it was very in my head, and so I was intellectually convinced. So I just went to a daily mass. And Monsignor Hart, who was an Anglican convert, and Monsignor Hart, even his daily mass is bing, bing by the book, man, like like every jot and tittle. So I go to this daily mass in this beautiful church at St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Keller, Texas, and it's a daily mass. And I remember there was, uh, she's now a friend of mine, uh, Kate Wheaton, and her her daughters were there, had their little veils on, and, and I saw these little kids who were kneeling and I'm just sitting there because I don't know. I hadn't studied the mass at this point, right? And I remember the kneeling and the and, the, and it was like and that and it was that day. So I, I leave this daily mass and I just sit there the whole time in the back because yeah. I didn't know what to do. But I sit there and then I left that mass and I came home and I told Heather I was like, "That's it." Yeah. And I and I said I got to talk to Rick Carmen who was the the pastor of the church we were at because I was still leading worship. Right. I said I got to call him. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I'm done. I'm done. And I was. And from that point on, I knew like, that's it. But, but, I, but you've got to be open to, and, and, and the thing is, is if you're wrong about it, I think it's important. Now, do I believe that, that, that Protestants can go to heaven? Well, sure. Yeah. But again, it goes back to the point that I don't know who's going to heaven. Right. And, but I know that this stuff is pretty stinking important. And a lot of people have died. Yeah, yeah, horrific deaths over the years over these questions. So if they're that important that these people are being are, are, are willing to be able to be led to their deaths, and and by the way, just for the record, both churches, uh, whether you uh, you can't say the Protestant is a church, but there's plenty of blood on all, all our hands. Right, and you're right. Like during yeah. the Reformation, man, yeah. there were Catholics that were murdered. There were Protestants. That it was it, it was a mess, but. Don't necessarily go by what Fox's Book of Martyrs tells you, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> because there's plenty of other history out there. 
But you, if you're open to the point where you can study the fathers, study the Bible with a possible lens of looking at these things that you've been taught that might have another, inter- and of course you know they do, because right. your church that's literally across the street on another corner yeah. has a wildly different interpretation yeah. about tongues, yeah, right, <laughs> about whatever. Right. And once you do that, man, you just got to open yourself up to it. But I'll say this, and I think that you feel the same way. Um, it's the best decision I ever made. Mm-hmm. It's the best oh, decision yeah. I ever, even with all the warts, even with all the issues that we have, and we have a lot of issues. Yes. Right? You yes. talked about the abuse scandal. You talk about Father James Martin and these priests, these rogue priests, the Catholics for choice, the fact that Joe Biden is a Catholic, Nancy yes. Pelosi's a Catholic. You know what I'm saying? Right. This, this is not a nothing burger. <laughs> the fact that we have uh, over 50% of Catholics who are okay with abortion. Yeah. What? Like, we've got a mess. Yep. We've got a hot mess over here. But it was the best decision I ever made because I believe that it's true. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And once I believe that something is true, then I'm in. And I've got no reason at this point, because you can't unring the bell either, man. Yeah. Once you get it, uh, you just, you can't, well, I can't unknow this. Yeah. 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 Well, I like, yes. Cause I can remember there. It, well, that just some of what you were talking about reminded me of that. The point about the time that I was transitioning, were you talking about being open, open to, are you, could you possibly be wrong? Right. When I went from like, oh, I got to bring Chad back, like, <laughs> I got to help him out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I went from that to maybe there's a possibility that they're right, I kind of wrestled because I, it's almost like, like I could see myself, like you were saying, cr- climbing up the first hill of the roller coaster. And I was, I like got scared because I was like, if I say they're possibly right, what if they are right? Right. And then I do convert. Like, yes. that's genuinely terrifying. Oh, yeah. But then I, I remember after wrestling with that for a little bit, I just got to the point where I would think, okay, it, um, <laughs> I, is there a possibility that you're wrong? Like, could it be possible that you're wrong? Like, all you've been taught your whole life could be false. And uh, wouldn't you much rather follow like what the truth is rather than just keep going in your life with like like i i, I got ignorance to, like, is not cross- bliss right like ignorance i got is not to, bliss i got to a crossroads where i went okay either i can just keep doing what i've always been doing because this is how i grew up and this is what i, I was told. digging this is yeah right or i can like now i'm at the point now where i have to say they the catholics could be right and and then just it's, it's Morpheus, dude. Right. <laughs> Do you want to take the red pill or the blue pill? Right. Literally, it's truly what it is. Yeah. Go down the rabbit hole and see how far it goes. Yeah, and I almost stopped, and I was like, okay, but if I stop, like, I have to pursue truth, and I can't stop pursuing truth because then if I die and get to heaven, if I remain a Protestant and God is like, why'd you stop? And I go, well, because I was scared and I didn't, I wasn't sure which way was right or not, and 
then he's gonna be then like, the floor drops right like did Depart you not from me. He's like, yeah. did you not did you not trust me did you not think yeah. that if you prayed and asked me for guidance i would have helped you did you not think like almost like the parable of the um the the three different employees that get it's they're not called employees but the three different people that the yeah, landowner yeah. gives the coins to correct and the two the go stewards and, yes they go and steward the money well and yes. the one says oh i just took your coin and i buried it you in the knew safe. you knew i was an hard man right right Right, and so then I those were coming to my mind, and I was thinking, I, I have to. I like, can't bury it. Yeah, I can't. I can't bury this coin. Mm-mm. And and then I read the scripture that was talking about, you know, like, like those who um, seek truth will find it, and to just like I just to him who knocks it will be opened. Right, and I yeah. just remembered like, okay, well, do I really think that God is going to guide me into some kind of falsehood? I could I be deceived? Yeah, what are you afraid of? Sure. Yeah, but what it was like? What if, if? Yeah, that's a good point. Like if if I study this, like I, I studied the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses claims. I studied the the charismatic. I studied all this stuff. Right. Right. And then boom, I found it was empty. Yeah. And so then you, like you said, you got to that point where, okay, I'm at the point where I, this is getting kind of scary. Yeah. Well, and it is because, it, and it was for me too, where because I'm realizing. I'm going to lose friends. Yeah. My family is going to blow their tops, which they actually were okay uh, all in all. Yes. But but my the friends didn't, like, like I said earlier, uh, they're friends that haven't talked to me since. Yeah. Um, but all in all, it's, it worked out. But at the end of the day, it, it, that was not my, my goal in any of this. My goal was just to pursue truth, and I would just encourage anybody who's out there, that's all you got to do. Yeah. Just pursue it. Right, and hopefully some of what we talked about might have there might be a stone in there. Yeah, I don't know. We were just having fun to doing what we do. But, yeah, but who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I will. I've always been a super heady, logical. Like you have to make the logical decision, get emotion out of it. Because when I was a young child, I was extremely emotional and cried because somebody looked at me a little bit funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or somebody kind of got on to me, so I'd just break down and cry. Yeah, <laughs> cry. <laughs> For days because of it. Yeah. So then I was like, you know, you got to shut that down. Yeah. But the, when it came to the Eucharist, I remember being at the Presbyterian Church, and they were handing out the communion at the Presbyterian yeah. Church. And I remember, like, the last two or three times they did it, I was crying at Presbyterian Church while they were handing it out because I thought, I'm sitting in the Presbyterian Church. I am logically convinced that Jesus is truly present in this at the Eucharist. Right down the road. Yeah. yeah. I it. It is shorter for me to get to the Catholic Church from my house than it yeah. is to get to this Presbyterian yeah. Church, and I'm here taking part in something that I don't believe in anymore. And Jesus is present, and He's inviting me to take part in yeah, yeah. His sacrifice. Yeah. He's making Himself available, and I'm I'm at this. Other so that was your head heart connection was that moment. Yes, and then the last time the last time we went to the church, I went. I grabbed the communion. So they would do like the... Oh, pre- you were still receiving, yeah. Well, the last two times, like I've received still at the Presbyterian Church. Well, no, the second to last and third to last time I received at the Presbyterian Church. The very last time, they did the prepackaged cups with the cracker on the top. But why not? When Yeah, when you just grab it from your the seat behind you. And the last time I took it, and I went to open it, and I was like so emotionally over, like just like 
I don't know. I've never experienced anything like it before. I was emotionally overtaken more than anything else, and I was like, I can't do this. And was so it I, remorse? No, I just was. I just was like, this is not. This is not real. Yeah. Like, and Jesus is really present, and this is a pretend thing. It was almost like. But it is though, by the way, and that we're not we're not insulting uh, anyone who is a. Pro, I mean, unless you're like an Anglican, but most of them, it's like they. It, yeah, it is a symbol. They would say that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so I just was like, this is, like, I, I, the best way I can say it is a pretend. It is. It, this is just a pretend. And, like, yeah. I, I just felt Whereas like, I do know that the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ is right down the road. Yeah. And I'm intentionally cutting myself off. From yes. It. It's like I could, it was almost like I, I could feel Jesus saying, like, I, like I'm here what more do you want like how much more can i give you than myself and i was still I told saying, you to do this in remembrance of me take and eat this is my body what are you doing yeah it, yeah and it was like i was just sitting there going yeah. no it's okay no it's okay and i just couldn't it was like i can't run anymore yeah i, I can't yeah um no that it was it's funny like because with me it was the it was the opposite i went i went to mass and i had and that was when yeah. the head heart happened with me yeah. as, as i as i actually experienced it but it wasn't like, and I know a lot of you had it. The, the Eucharist is a strong draw for many, many, many converts. I bugged my priest more than I've bugged anyone else in my. I was relentless with. I would email him and say, "What do I got to do? What can I do to be confirmed? What can I do so I can actually become?" So a interestingly enough, now that's another interesting point, and then I, we can wrap this up because we probably been going for too long. But uh, yeah. both of us were not received on Easter. No. Which is, for those who don't know, that is customary. Yep. You go through RCIA and you are received on the Easter Vigil with all the converts. But I think because you and I geek out so much on this. Yeah. And we like, because I remember going to, and it's not, it just is what it is. I remember going to RCIA, which is the rite of Christian initiation for adults, for people who are going to convert to the faith. It's usually reserved for... um, a guy who is marrying a Catholic, right? Or sometimes you'll get Episcopalians or Anglicans who are just coming over. People like us who are coming from the Baptist and the Bible and the Presbyterian churches, we're already in that RCIA because we have devoured, mm-hmm. and that's what we both did. Yeah, we just devoured all of the arguments, and had so by the time I came into RCIA, it's like, yeah, I'm, I already know what I'm going to do, right? And so I did the same thing. I talked to Monsignor Hart, and he literally just told me, he goes, well, I don't think you need to wait. <laughs> he says, you clearly have gone through this, and you know that, yeah, you have, you're convinced of this. Yeah. But I do remember, and then we can stop, but I do remember uh, when he handed me the paper, and I still have it in there, um, I believe and profess all that the Catholic Church, or I, I believe all that the Catholic Church teaches and professes. Yep. And you have to say that before God and men. It's like, it's like our wedding vow to yeah. the church. And that to me, I, I just loved it because it was like, I got to say this before God and men. And that's why I'm so resolute on, and, I'm, and there's a comfort in it because I do believe that. Yeah. I believe all that the Catholic Church teaches and professes. And that's it. Yeah. And but that's but that's a heavy burden to bear. It is. It's a heavy cross to bear because like now that you know that, 
you got no excuses, buddy. Right. You can't claim ignorance anymore. Yeah. You know? You've signed up for the game. Now you got to play it. Well, that's the best game there is. Heck yeah. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, absolutely. That's it? I think so. God bless. All right. Well, if you've ever wondered how it happened, that's how it happened. Uh, Thank you for listening to this week's episode, and I hope you enjoyed it. I really enjoyed recording it, uh, and I hope that, you know, maybe there are some things in there that if you're a Protestant, it causes you to think a little bit or, you know, maybe just do some more investigating. Uh, But anyways, that's it. Until next time, may God bless you, and I will continue to pray for you.